0: the Rise Up See Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox.
1: Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site. With me on a Tuesday night recording is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. And this is the mock draft episode. It is episode four hundred and nineteen, and and I had to go back through that. I couldn't remember which year we started it because we've been doing I've been doing the show since twenty thirteen July twenty thirteen was the first was the first episode, and and this was just a little before Seth because uh, what was it? I I was me and a couple other guys. I can't remember who it was on the podcast for a little bit before Seth joined. But our first mock draft was 2015. It was the DJ Humphreys draft, and I think we both had like Bud Dupree or or, or Shane Ray or something that year. And then DJ Humphreys pick came out of nowhere. So this is our ninth mock draft where we take the first round and try to make our predictions. Some are awful. We've nagled a few Cardinals picks over the years, and and we'll be honest, uh, you know, as as inaccurate as mock drafts are, ours haven't been bad. We've had, you know, I think as many as like 25 players or so that we had in the first round, going in the first round. We've had as many as eight or nine Um. Players pegged to teams, you know, the drafts, the the trades happen, but like where we predict that they will land, they end up at least not necessarily team and pick. So we do like, and, 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 you know, Seth has a little bit of inside knowledge um, that he runs across. Uh, he has a few more sources that I do. Mostly, most of the, the information I get are probably are from Seth, <laughs> and I have a few, and they're not and they're not sources that I can use for anything. But that's, there's some knowledge that I get from within the Cardinals. This year is different though, right? Because we do not. This is not a Steve Keim draft, so we don't actually know what's happening.
0: Correct, and that's where you kind of just sit and watch and you know you kind of learn this year and that's what we're looking at um and we're waiting to see you know what happens and how how this all comes together and quite frankly it won't be even next year where we feel super confident in what we know but it'll be a little bit easier and and you know as that continues that's where we'll we'll continue to gather more information and and kind of learn more about this team and this organization and what they have and what they, you know, what they believe is important. And, and that's where we're at. We have an idea and, and, you know, we'll talk about a couple of scenarios as things go, but we, we do know that uh, Monty Austin Fort and, and Dave Sears from what they've done with the teams they were with previously, they put a they put an emphasis on the premier positions. Uh we've seen, you know, Monty be part of drafts that involved, you know, offensive linemen early, cornerbacks early, edge rushers early, and the same obviously for for Dave Sears in in Detroit. And so that's, you know, I think you and I both are excited about that because while we liked guys like uh, Deion Buchanan and and Hassan Redick, even though he did play a premier position once he finally figured it all out, uh, you know, and and those guys, you, you know, and then obviously now Isaiah Simmons and and, and Zaven Collins, you have to look at the fact that those positions, especially, are not key positions and it's the conversation we kind of had with Buda Baker, right? Uh, Buda Baker is, is close as close to elite without probably being elite as you can get. I mean, he is borderline elite in this league and he's been part of two of the worst defenses in the NFL in in the last, (laughs) in the last four seasons. And again, he is, I mean, a borderline all pro player every single year. Um, and so, when you have when your best players are safeties and linebackers, it, it usually doesn't spell uh, for good things. And yeah, so, you yeah, just especially
1: have to- now now you could we can say so. There's there's a couple of examples where that does happen. Okay, um, when you look at the the safeties that Seattle had and the linebackers they had, but they also had Richard Sherman, a corner um right. Baltimore back in the day when they had um I can't remember is that is Ray Lewis Ed, yeah. Ray Lewis had Reed Ed Reed was right. the, I can't remember Ray Lewis had Reed but they also had Terrell, Terrell Suggs Suggs. And, <laughs> and, and and they had and and they had a Siragusa in the middle and and stuff like that so
0: well, well, and the thing is, even with like, you know, you, people always talk about that, like Seattle, like the Legion of Boom and, and how great they were. But the question becomes, do you have two to three all pros in your secondary or do you just have, you know, a guy that's obviously great, but like, you know, that's that's the extent. And, and that's, you know. When you look at it, that's what it comes down to, and that's what you have to kind of look through and look at. You know, you look at, you look at their starters on on defense. You know, uh, Richard Sherman, like you said, and Earl Thomas were both All Pros. Um, you know, and then and then Camp off the Chancellor bench,
1: was fantastic. Yeah, whoever a whoever ball their baller. second corner, didn't really matter because three of their four guys in the secondary were.
0: Pro Bowlers. Yeah, absolutely I mean,
1: fantastic. I,
0: and so that's the thing is, you know, and, but, and, and obviously, as Cardinals fans, we'd be like, hey, one Super Bowl, that'd be fantastic. But, you know, that only led to one Super Bowl win. And then, as those guys, the other thing about that secret or that, you know, the secret to all of that was it was all while they were on rookie contracts, right? Like, and then as soon as they all started, to having to get paid and now they had to start sacrificing other positions right then all of a sudden that's when that's when things started to go bad remember you know they michael bennett was fantastic up front but you know they were starting guys like brandon mebane and um i i don't remember the guy's first name ruben was the was the last name and and you know and then because they were paying Earl Thomas, they were paying Cam Chancellor, they were paying Richard Sherman. And so, you know, and, and so then all of a sudden you were having to fill in the gaps with guys um, that were a little, little worse. And then all of a sudden their defense, you know, became worse every season. And and that's, And that's not unexpected. So it's like, it's like catching lightning in the bottle. Like you you would have had to have had, you know, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, and Buda Baker, all three as all pro players at the same time before you had to start paying them all. Does that make sense? Like yeah. that's that's how it worked for them. And then once those guys all got paid, and you throw in Bobby Wagner too, who's an, you know a multi-time All-Pro, great player. But once those guys all got paid, all of a sudden you started having guys you know that weren't great or weren't. Yeah, the, the mean,
1: defensive line especially.
0: Right, and then and then all of a sudden that second corner position, and then all of a sudden Cam Chancellor gets hurt, and now you're you know you're paying Cam Chancellor. But he can't play, so now you're trying to, and so it just, it all makes you know, it all comes out in the wash. But like, like drafting those non-premium positions is usually not the best way to do it. The other thing was none of those guys were first-round picks. That's the other thing, right? I think Earl Thomas might have been, but outside of Earl, I don't think any of those guys were first-round picks. They were all day two, and in Sherman's case, a day three pick. So it just, you know, it just ended up working out overall. Yeah, and. Thomas was a was a first round pick. But outside of that, you know, uh, Cam Chancellor was a was a uh, day. He might have even been a day three pick. I'm checking right now. Yeah. I mean, Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman were both fifth round picks. Like, honestly, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Right. Yeah, like, totally. So, <laughs> so that's so that's where you come to, and that's where we're at this week. You know, we'll find we'll start to learn a little bit about what Monty and and, and Dave's philosophy, and I think Jonathan's going to have a big impact in everything. Yeah, um, you know, because he's
1: and it's interesting because the um, it, it, the conversations that we've heard the, the times that the JG's talked to the media, Monty Austin for that recently, it feels like. That Gannon's take on player evaluation is, I want that guy on my team, these players I want in the organization, and he lets the front office rank them. He, that, that, he lets them do the board part, and Gannon is about, is he a fit? Is he a good football fit, and is he a good character fit for our team? And then, I they, think, then, then, I then think, that's how then they they handle the ring because it's going to be interesting because Kime always kind of described the process of of how they built their board. They did he he kind of gave us a picture of how they do it. They do this, they do this, and then they do this. We know nothing about the Osivor didn't talk about it at all.
0: But that's the thing too is you look at it, and I think you hit on something that's going to be a real, real key to this organization and something that we've. Been hearing about from the beginning, but also now that's you know even more important, and that's guys that want to buy in and guys that want to be here. Uh, I think building a culture, and and we've talked, you know, you and I being in and just regular everyday life stuff. <laughs>
1: regular jobs
0: <laughs> right you talk about cultural you and i talk about culture all the time and like how that makes such a difference for your work environment and so for for them you know i think that's something that we saw this last weekend when they made it a point to make sure that they were at kyler murray's um Heisman or Heisman statue unveiling. That was
1: really cool to see because it wasn't just like now he had he had a bunch of teammates out there as well and a former teammate at Antoine Wesley. Side note: the amount of things that Antoine Wesley shows up in is hilarious. (laughs) 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 But aside the point, the fact that it wasn't it it was half of the offensive staff. It was basically every offensive staff member. Every offensive coach who has any connection to Kyler, it was what well, was G- GM, it was the head coach, it was the offensive coordinator, it was the quarterbacks coach, and it was their their Bill Bedwill's fellowship guy, and I believe he's going to work with quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, and so that's I mean, like you said, that's just is that's just creating a culture and of accountability and and wanting to be a part of something, and and I think that we're going to see that in this draft too. So. You know, before we get into this, and I I wanted to get your take, and I haven't even pre- prepped you for this, so it'll be fun. But I really do think that based off of what we've heard from the Bob McGinn articles and things like that, I do think that that means that a guy like Jalen Carter would likely not be somebody they they look to draft
1: I I agree and and I also I think of all the evidence because we know at least I don't know if they did all 30 prospects but we know 24 of them and Carter was not one of them and often you bring in guys where you have some questions Carter definitely have questions right
0: right right And so he
1: definitely would have been a top 30 guy if they right. if if he were on their board.
0: Right, exactly. And and I think that's something you know, and again we, we'll never know for sure unless they trade down to like Let's say the commanders want to go up to from sixteen, right? Yeah, and they're and they're sitting there, and then somehow Carter's still on the board. And then they're like, and okay, they're, <laughs> and, well, and they're like, nope, we're going to take Kalijah Kansi or somebody else, you know, in that range. <laughs> that, then that, you really know, <laughs> yeah. And then you'll be like, well, Jalen Carter was just not on their board, like there was. No, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I just feel like what they're talking about, what they're trying to sell to the organization or the the team as a whole is it is saying that we don't want somebody that isn't going to buy in and put the put the energy into what we're looking for so i think that's important um which you know is going to be what's interesting because you know we both small spoiler alert but we both have them trading down and and so you would think if carter's available would he be a guy that they would consider um and and one of us says no and so that'll be what's interesting to kind of follow along with and see what happens yeah um in this in this situation because i definitely don't think they can sit at three and take him but i just don't know if what we know about him right now is if he's a guy that you can even if you even want to bring in
1: yeah. And before we get started with the actual mock, there is so much. It's so interesting right now. Just the it's been so under wraps what the Cardinals are kind of planning. Other than the fact it feels like trade, 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 trade. That's what basically everyone with any sort of connection, any sort of incone- inside connection to the to the Cardinals has been saying. They want to trade. They want to trade. They want to trade. They want to trade. And then it was Will Anderson, Will Anderson, Will Anderson, Will Anderson. Now it's very interesting some of the stuff that's coming out. Um, Todd McShay um, teased the idea of that offensive line that might be the their target. Mike Garofalo came out on Tuesday saying that Kyler is pounding the table for Paris Johnson. He's made it known to the organization, and we know. Him. So it, We've talked about it on the show. Steve Keim has joked about it, about the fact that, that Kyler is always in their ear telling the players that they want. And we know some of the players that he's pounded the table for, who the Cardinals didn't draft, and guess what? Have been absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, we go back to, um, who was it? Oh, crap. And I wrote about it today as well. Um, he wanted uh, Creed Humphrey. He Oh, Tristan Wirfs. He wanted Tristan Wirfs in 2020. Um he, yeah, wanted he wanted Creed Humphrey, Humphrey the next tournament
0: yeah, and so it's just one of those situations that guys, you know, and I think that I mean we we know this uh, based on just some contextual things that we've heard, but uh, it's interesting that allegedly they didn't draft Creed Humphrey because they didn't want a left-handed center. <laughs> and Duke Manyweather, who uh, who trained Creed and everything, has stated that there were a number of teams that um, that asked him to train Creed to snap right handed. And it's like, hey, do you who was Kyler Murray's center in college? Oh, wait, it was Creed <laughs> Humphrey. Right? Like, like it was going to be some. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know.
1: Well, the, it's I, come kind of interesting. Um, and 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 does it feel like to you this before we get? Does it feel like that the organization, that the head coach, the general manager, they're going out of their ways to try to mend some fences with Kyler?
0: Yeah, and and it feels like that they take what he what he wants, prefers, whatever, however you want to talk about it. Um, into consideration which is something that we know that uh Steve Kime kind of laughed off right yeah like before. yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 i uh, i it this is a it's cute it's cute that you that you want to tell me who to draft <laughs> but i right. am <I'm> the gm <laughs>
0: right and so it's just like you know let's see how this all works out and and you know cuz it's
1: interesting there. that it comes out cuz we heard we've heard about particular players after the fact but the fact this is coming out now before the draft and and the fact that that Johnson is a is a name that's connected to the Cardinals quite and it's it's coming out from up national reporters and things like that that you know even a number three Johnson could be the guy or they like to trade back that so that it's becoming well known that 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 the Cardinals value that or or that they understand that Kyler's got an eye for talent and and (laughs) Or both. <laughs> like he, Kyler knows ball, like Danny right. Kelly pointed out to me. Kyler knows ball, and so maybe they're a little bit more in sync with with that, that type of purpose. And so, you know, whether it's um, offensive line – well, and the fact that, you know, 10, 10 of the Cardinals' top 30 visits were offensive linemen, and so – yeah, we had to know. So let's 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 go ahead and get started. So coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We will begin with our mock draft. We will go through kind of the first ten picks and go from there. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. It is time to mock the first round. We've had some good years before. We know that accurate mock drafts hit on like six to nine, like. Like, even a good mock draft hits on for like six to 10 players, maybe. And that's because after the first part of the draft, things go crazy. Things might go crazy with number two. Pick number one. We both have the same guy, the betting odds heavily suggest it. Uh, We both have the Panthers taking Bryce Young, even though wasn't it about a month ago when it kind of felt like it was going to be C.J. Stroud?
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting because this is, um, you know, this is something that it feels like that's where it's at now, like you said, but at the same time, it feels like that, it's too certain does that make sense like
1: i mean yeah but like the fact that that stupid anonymous guy on reddit got on and said that that levis has been telling him that the panthers are going to draft him then that wildly changed the betting odds for for a time any any prediction where will levis becomes the number one overall pick over Bryce Young, the, the Heisman, and C.J. Stroud at a big time program who put up who was amazing, and instead it's Will Levis who you're like, why? We still like honestly, we still think why? Why? Why are we? Why is anyone looking at Will Levis this way?
0: Yeah, that's such a fair question and and something that I can identify and and that's why you know we both still have him going top five because we just can't <laughs> we don't understand
1: it. it but that's what we right. keep hearing
0: <laughs> right so it's got to happen right like if, they can't be lying this much
1: <laughs> so number one we are on board with each other bryce young going to the panthers it makes a lot of sense you know if the number one pick honestly it should be young or it should be stroud it shouldn't be anyone else when you have a quarterback needy team right That that's basically it should be young it should be stroud and that's it
0: yeah, it feels like it. It feels like it would be silly for it not to be. Um, you know, but it's one of those situations that I don't, I mean, I genuinely don't even know why Levis is in this conversation. <laughs> but
1: maybe, you know, maybe this is just Levis's people trying to make it, you know, like um, Lonzo, like the whole Ball family thing trying to just make it happen, speak it into existence.
0: Right, exactly. So, so,
1: so yeah, but pick number two is where we both have two things. Cra- one, it's crazy on my end and crazy on your end. So you go with you're, – you're trusting with what people are saying is that the Texans aren't going to take a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I stayed with the uh, chalk or the the you know uh, the betting odds in this situation, and I I went with Tyree Wilson. Um, The strong surge in this doesn't mean anything, but it just makes it feel like like we always say Vegas isn't in the in the business of losing money. So, you know, are they able to? There's there's some
1: like. They know when there's smoke. There's a little bit of fire. Like really, the only time where it feels like that they were just way off base was with Malik Willis. That that's really in, in recent years. That's the one where where Vegas just plain got it wrong.
0: Right. And so you know you just look at it. You have to. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm I'm going to go Tyree Wilson here.
1: And and me, I I refuse to believe that the Texans in their quarterback situation, would not take a quarterback with the number two pick. Now, I don't like the pick that I'm projecting. I think it's stupid, but I have them taking Will Levis. I have not taken Will Levis, going number two overall. I don't know why they're taking Will Levis, but it, I, I, I refuse to believe until it actually happens that they're not going to take a quarterback. And so I'm saying, okay, they're going to take a quarterback. And while C.J. Stroud is the one that makes sense, they're not. But then that's gonna be the most Texans thing to happen. And they take Will Levis second overall, which leads us to the Cardinals pick. We both have them doing the same thing, and we have the pick being the same, but we haven't gone to different teams. Tell us about tell us about your reasoning for the pick.
0: Yeah, I went with uh I went with the Las Vegas Raiders trading up. And taking CJ Stroud at three, Uh, the Raiders come in, they offer 38 and uh, they offer uh, here. Hold on one second. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. They offer 38, they offer 100 and then uh, next year's number one. And I think if in that case, you go ahead and take it because you're not moving too far down in this case, Wilson's gone, but you know you still have you still have Will Anderson and Paris Johnson on the board if that's where they want to go.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I have, you know, I have I I'm going to tease the, I, I'm going with the Todd McShay tease because he came out with his it wasn't his mock draft but it was stuff he was hearing from people from the league and that one, the Cardinals were targeting offensive line, and he suggested, well, that they'd be targeting a particular lineman and moving back to do it. And he said, well, for example, if they move all the way back to number 11, that feels purposely placed, like the Titans were were in the running for it. And so with that, I have the Titans moving up to, and especially because it is C.J. Stroud, they move up to number three get CJ Stroud and and here is the haul that the Cardinals get I think this is the minimum they get the, at least the minimum so they they pick up number 11 they get number 41 their second round pick this year they get their next year first and they get a 2025 second maybe a first I, I think that's kind of the the logistic because if you look at the trade that the 49ers did to go up from 12 to 3 uh, they gave up uh, two future firsts and a future third. They didn't give up any additional picks that year. And so they in 2021 they they moved up. They gave they gave up their first and third from 2022 and their first from 2023. I don't think the Cardinals make a deal without adding a second or third round pick this year. I think that is part of the part of the deal. You they want picks now and they want picks later. So getting Tennessee's second means that they're willing to Go with a 2025 second instead of a first because they get the second rounder this year instead of a third rounder next year, and they still get Tennessee's one next year, which could be super valuable because the Titans might be a disaster. So Seth has the, the Cardinals now picking seventh. I have them picking eleventh. C.J. Stroud is still the number three pick, and the and both Seth and I now have two of the three first picks as the same. I've got quarterbacks going 1, 2, and 3. Seth with with now there's two quarterbacks on the board, which leads us to the Colts pick. I'm going to say they have to pick a quarterback, and they take Anthony Richardson. They're sad because they don't get Will Levis. I don't know why they're sad, but you have them taking Levis.
0: Yeah, so Levis is on the board here. They are able to grab him at, at 4 It'll be interesting to see what happens if they if, if for some reason Stroud is not a is not picked at three by any team, or I think, two for that I, matter. Yeah,
1: I think the Str- I think Stroud being available, especially if the if the Texans pick make a pick at two and don't trade out of it, I I I think that's a win for the Cardinals. I think Stroud being on the board means that they can trade the pick. If they don't, they might get stuck. They might get stuck because I think, the, are the Colts going to be stubborn? Is that kind of how it's feeling like right now, that the Colts are going to be stubborn?
0: Yeah, and they're not going to move that pick. I talked to a couple people uh, that f- have a feeling for the Colts, and that's what the conversation is, is that they're going to sit there and... You know it's interesting because the feeling I'm getting is that the coaching staff would love to get Stroud and the owner loves Will Levis, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out. Her say, stop that. Stop yeah, that. is a, is a bit of a strange duck. So
1: <laughs> that moves on to number five, the Seattle Seahawks, the division rivals. They both get deep. The for both of our picks, they get a defensive player. I have them going the route of Jalen Carter, uh, the Georgia defensive tackle. Even though. Even though both pass rushers are on the board, I'm going to go by, I'm thinking about what they did. Well, they've been connected to Carter most of the offseason. They went and signed Draymond Jones. They brought back Jaron Reed. They tried to sign Zach Allen, even though when they signed Draymond Jones, which means they're looking for more defensive interior help. And that's where Carter comes in. And so I th- that's where I have them right now. That I have them targeting Carter instead of Anderson.
0: Yeah. And I just went Anderson. I went, um, even though it sounds a lot like that's where they're headed, right. Uh, that they are very interested in Jalen Carter. I, I just went with who I think is the superior player in that. Well, and that does know,
1: make sense because they, they might love Carter, but just not be expecting Anderson to be on the board.
0: Right. And so that takes us, uh, to the lions at six and, and we go different ways here.
1: And then we go. So the, the the Detroit Lions. Um, I have them jumping all over Will Anderson. I think uh, Dan Campbell is going to absolutely love a pairing of Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson on that defensive line. Going to since The offense offense was not the problem last year. Their defense was all the problem last year until late. Uh, and so build that defense create bookend pass rushers for that team. I think it's exactly what Campbell wants to do. You have a monkey wrench.
0: Yeah, so you know, all the Cardinals chit-chat all the smoke that they love Paris Johnson. There's another team that allegedly loves Paris Johnson and the Lions are sitting pretty. This pick is actually the Rams pick as we Cardinals yes. fans know and like to laugh about. Uh, obviously, they got away with it since they ended up being a super bowl champion one time but a team that has been looking to improve their offensive line and a team that has a couple of basically first round picks and then would give up next year's first round pick and next year's uh third round pick to move up so they give up 17 and 32 in this draft even though it technically is the first pick of the second round and then their first round pick and uh second or third round pick next year and the pittsburgh steelers move up and take paris johnson jr
1: and kyler's sad <laughs> Kyler is sad which takes us to the number seven pick which for me is still the raiders but for the for seth it is the Cardinals. What direction do the Cardinals go? So no Tyree Wilson, no Will Anderson, no Paris Johnson. Who is the pick for you?
0: Yeah, I go, uh, I go with Christian Gonzalez. You know, it'll be interesting because there's been a lot of people that are, um, complaining or have concerns about Christian Gonzalez's physicality, but i don't think that's actually anything to worry about and i think his size and athleticism actually projects really well to what the cardinals and jonathan gannon like to do on defense Um, you know so we'll see how that works out but he's a guy that that likes you know to be kind of the man on defense he he enjoys the uh the ability to be a alpha cornerback one and i think that you know in gannon's defense and i know nick Rallis will be calling it but i think i think jonathan gannon will have a hand in it uh that that'll give the uh the cardinals a really nice uh building block at a premier position that they haven't really addressed lately absolutely Uh, and and somebody that will, um, somebody that will be just, you know, kind of a a hit here in the valley.
1: I really like Gonzalez is one of my so if a Will Anderson is not available, Christian Gonzalez is one of the guys I want if he's on the board. Um, with the Raiders pick, I'm thinking kind of the same thing, only instead of Gonzalez. The, the, he is a cornerback that, as of a, as of Tuesday, is going to go higher than people think. I didn't think that he was going to go low. They so take Devon Witherspoon, the kid out of Illinois, great tape, um, kind of the cornerback version of Buda Baker, which, you know, if, if, if people are complaining about Gonzalez, I'd be more worried about Witherspoon and his style of play.
0: Yeah, and so we'll see how that all works out. But, yeah, I think uh, you've got a guy in in Witherspoon who, like you said, I don't know if he's going to be able to stick on the boundary uh, that as like a cornerback one, but I think he's a guy that 100% without a doubt is going to play uh, a lot of snaps and and be physical.
1: At minimum, he'll be like cornerback two that slides between the two, right?
0: Right, and that's and that's where I see him at. And so, you know, just looking at what uh, what uh, Gannon you know wants and the Cardinals need, I, I could see them preferring Gonzalez. But I don't think either of those guys. If that was the I pick, would both, be. A,
1: I think they're both fantastic choices for for any team near the top of right. the draft.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And uh, we and, go going to number eight. We've got the Falcons. And I, they, this is where the cornerbacks go. So uh, Seth has Gonzalez going number seven to the Cardinals. I have him going number eight to the Falcons, giving them a nice pairing of A.J. Terrell and Christian Gonzalez. But Seth, Seth has a fun one for the Falcons here.
0: Yeah, I have them going crazy and grabbing uh Bion Robinson and just continuing to kind of grow that offense. And then you go back to what Art Smith did with um, – you know, as the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, and you, you know, you, you and I talked about it last week when we discussed, um, when we discussed running backs, and and you asked, you know, is this a guy that in that can be similar to, um, to like a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor or a Zeke Elliott, and and I think he can, and I think that would, you know mean that a guy who had one of those guys and arthur smith would want to try to get a new one even though like we talked about tyler algier is a very good running back
1: that said tyler algier is also a sixth round guy cardinals fans should know this late round running backs that flash sometimes only flash for a year and a half
0: right exactly so you just got to figure out what's the best play here so you know it'll be interesting but you know i think that takes us to the bears Mm -hmm. and you know i had i had the cardinals getting sniped from allegedly their you know one of their guys and in you know back to back to back picks you have them (laughs) getting sniped of guys that they i do (laughs) allegedly could like so what, I mean, so I can go first. I have I have the Jalen Carter slide in my board. Well, and, and we, this there. is what we've heard
1: is that he's not getting past the Bears period, right?
0: So here, let's say this, and let's go all the way back to February before any of this happened. Is it not insane to think that the Bears were tied to jalen carter at number one (laughs) right and then they they trade back get a hall of picks and a number one wide receiver and then they somehow
1: end up with carter that's amazing
0: would that not have been like one of the best
1: um that that's the best one of the best manipulations ever now jalen carter seems to know he's going in the top 10 And, and the things that I've heard from things I've read that he's not going to get past the bears. So fantastic job bears. Um, whether they manipulated that, (laughs) I don't think they manipulated that because who knew that, like, who knew that that report was going to come out on them. Oh, oh dang. Clippers didn't, the Suns didn't cover. (laughs) (laughs) I had them covering the 12 and a half. (laughs) Sorry, no, sorry, they, sorry, but that's, you know...
0: No, they uh, they made it ugly at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, they decided they wanted to get in a three-point shootout with them, and, <laughs> and the Clippers just kept making them, and the Suns did not.
1: <laughs> yes, and, and for me, I have the Bears going with the offensive line, since since uh, in my case, Jalen Carter came off the board at number 5. Uh, the Bears, yes, this happens. 9, 10, and 11 are kind of outside of Will Anderson, so... It goes basically five picks in a row from seven, uh, from six to ten, are all players that I think are on the Cardinals' wish list. Will Anderson, and Devon Weatherspoon, uh, Christian Gonzalez, number eight, Paris Johnson, the tackle, the, the guy that Kyler Murray wants, uh, goes to the Bears at number nine. And then I have the Eagles taking Tyree Wilson. That's where you know for me. Uh, I know the Cardinals. This this came out. Um, this came out. It uh, was Monday or Tuesday that the Cardinals cleared Tyree Mills medically, so they have no medical concerns about his surgically repaired foot. That might be a concern for other teams, and I see him slipping. And then the the, the Eagles, who. Already are are great on the pass rush, but they do need to rebuild that defense a little bit. They land Tyree Wilson with the 10th overall pick, meaning five straight picks, which are kind of wish lists for Cardinals. Like they, they're high on my list Anderson, Wilson, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Paris Johnson. They're all off the board before the Cardinals pick at number 11.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I had Carter going, you had Paris Johnson, then the Eagles, and we both. Kind of are in the same thought process while also going about it different ways. And you had him taking Tyree. I went with Nolan Smith uh, going there.
1: Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, best Star Cardinals talk on the web. Let's go with the next ten picks in the draft. Uh, for me, that means the Cardinals are next. Coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, best Star Cardinals talk on the web. We're at pick number eleven. For Seth's mock, that means the Tennessee Titans are still there, and for me, that means the Arizona Cardinals. Give me your Titans pick here.
0: Yeah, so uh, you know the the Titans stay. They tried to move up, couldn't move up, and instead they grab, they sit, and they get a guy in Anthony Richardson, who Peter King had him going, I think, in the twenties in his mock draft, um, which. Like you said, the Malik Willis one was the craziest one last year, but Anthony Richardson is not far off, right? Like yeah. his everybody's kind of all over the place on him. You you took him at four, but that was because Will Levis wasn't there. Right. Uh you know, so so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Like if both Levis and Richardson are on the board, who's who's the pick? It'll be super fun to watch, but yeah, like I said, I have them going there.
1: And for the Cardinals, this is where uh, I I used again the Todd McShay teases from from Monday. One that was targeting offensive line specifically. He talked about Peter Skaronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern, who, depending on who you talk to, um, many believe he, he's a lock to be a great guard, but can play tackle. Some think he's a he will be. He'll be able to play tackle in the league. But he does easily this year, since we have the unknown at left guard, Skoronsky can easily slide right into the left guard spot. McShay seems to be targeted. McShay's heard that he's being targeted. And that even if the Cardinals traded back to number 11, he could be available. So I went with that information. Okay, let's roll with this scenario. The Cardinals move all the way back to number 11, and Skaronsky's on the board. So they get... Um, perhaps like one of the most talented guard, uh linemen in the draft. That the that the question really only means that we've got now is, is he going to play guard or tackle? And but it does make an interesting parallel because what was Steve Kimes' very first pick in 2013 as GM? It was a guard. Um, like you, you, you talked about on the Sully show, uh. People look at Rashawn Slater as okay, yeah, he he can play left tackle in the league. Well, Rashawn Slater had elite athletic traits. Skronski's not bad; he's just not elite. Um,
0: He's a near elite athlete as a guard, but like you said, as a as a tackle, he's he gets by.
1: Yeah, and, and so he might be able to play tackle, but the Cardinals already already are pretty good at tackle because between their starters of DJ Humphreys and Calvin Beecham. You've got Josh Jones that you can b- believe uh, is a is starting caliber type guy. So Scorazzi is a perfect match right there. And you don't even have to switch him sides. And so one of the things and, that, that, that and, is...
0: That's- and imagine his, his... And you and I have talked about this, but his closest comp is a guy that played left tackle all his career at Notre Dame and then got drafted... 16th overall so not quite as high uh by the cowboys and he's only uh been a six-time all pro <laughs> pro bowler and then was on the 2010 hall of fame team and that's uh <laughs> that's zach martin yes like it like you said it almost it if he's your starting left guard and, and you need to figure out your center still and that's something we'll get to you know in a little bit spoiler maybe not alert uh <laughs> But like you look at it, like if you go Humphrey Skoronsky, insert Center Hernandez, and then you let Jones and Beecham fight it out, you or, feel
1: really good about that group.
0: Right, you feel much better than you do, you know, in in other ways. So it'll just be interesting to see how it goes.
1: We move on to pick number twelve. We have the Texans. Believe it or not, Seth has them taken and pass rusher twice in the first round. What are they doing?
0: Yeah. Uh they keep going and they go with Lucas Van Ness. Uh why not why not just, you know, kinda if you're if you're not gonna take a quarterback, why not just double down and try to and get and let
1: Demico Ryan do his defensive thing.
0: Right. And and they don't have much I mean outside of the Cardinals maybe, I don't know of of a defensive you know front line however you want to put it i'm assuming they'll play a four three but that that you know that is not as good as as what you see with <laughs> with the texans so you get two young stud athletic freaks both have high-end comps we've talked about it you know you've got you've got a super high-end uh you know comp of of chandler jones and you've got a super high-end comp for van s of like uh of preston smith you know and even if they become 80 percent of those players holy cow that's That's still great that's that's yeah those are two guys that are getting you eight to 11 sacks a season like that's that's huge
1: And, and i have them going the exact opposite direction they double down on the defense for seth um i'm i'm going with the this is what freaking makes sense they take the quarterback, even though it's not the quarterback I would pick for them, number two, and then they give them a weapon going with the the Ohio State receiver, Jackson, Smith and Jigba, best receiver, most talented receiver in this draft class. And so you get your you get your signal caller and then you give him a weapon. And so that's kind of the way I went, which, and, makes, and, the, and which by makes the which makes the Packers sad.
0: <laughs> oh, and by the way, one hundred percent. I would if if they draft a quarterback Who, by the way, I you know at right here I don't have, uh, I have Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, available. So if they draft a quarterback, I 100% think that this is the way to go. Let me ask you this: if they for some reason don't draft a quarterback, what what would have made the most sense to you? They don't need a left tackle, obviously, because they have Laramie Tunsil, one of the best in the NFL. Um, Would you still go Smith and Jigba, or would you? like look to continue to boost the, de- like where would you have gone with this? So if, if you didn't take, if you didn't take Will Levis at, at two, but instead maybe you take Tyree Wilson just cause that's the chalk pick.
1: Um, so yeah. So if Wilson's take gone there, you know, I might consider, I might consider a guy like Broderick Jones. You might, you might give him Bijan John Robinson and also i think also as well you might end up going with uh college cansey i think
0: yeah and so it's just interesting like it just becomes really interesting what they do if they don't take a quarterback at at two it just because then it like what what on earth do they do <laughs> yeah. like
1: <laughs> that that that's just the thing that just makes no sense like and, and we talked about in in one of the last shows what if they don't take a quarterback number two well then maybe they trade up from 12 to get their guy and that also feels like a weird thing to do since the quarterback hey, is he, the is the more it's the one that's harder
0: to find right if, <laughs> if anything and and justin talked about this quite a bit the other day if anything it's really tough for the texans because the colts and titans are in their division and need um any quarterbacks so it feels like there's little to no chance in either of those teams are trading up to two so the only team with you know that might is the raiders and so and why would they? you know, do it at that point, like they're probably gonna see what what comes off the board first. It's just really interesting to look at because the Texans might have overplayed their hand from 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 <laughs> we'll, f- when- we'll
1: figure the Houston Texans messing things up, right? Right.
0: And and from the last game of the season where they won. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> like instead of getting Bryce Young, the guy they allegedly super covet, and then instead of caving to the Bears, you've overplayed your hand to the point now where you know you either take a quarterback you don't love allegedly allegedly or you leave the draft and you saddle your first year defensive coach with With
1: davis mills
0: davis mills like it just (laughs) was
1: part of the last two terrible years
0: yeah it just seems so absurd but i mean the texans don't make sense anyways (laughs) that takes us to the green bay packers who don't have a have a uh Hall of Fame quarterback for the first time. Like what what do right. we uh what do they do? Here's a question. They got, you gotta get him help, right? Who's
1: might they move up to do, I I I haven't thought, but it has it up. You think they're sold on Jordan Love or what if they I, moved up?
0: I think or, they have to give love a year. That makes um,
1: sense. That makes sense.
0: I think I think they just have to give love a, a season, and then once that happens, you know, they'll they'll change. Can we talk about how crazy that trade was though? For for that was an odd trade. Like one, why are you flipping first round picks? (laughs) And then if you're if you're the Jets, why are you putting all these allocations on the next pick? Like, are they that afraid that he's going to retire after one season? Maybe. it was that which is was weird just,
1: because it, Rogers is the one to say, Yeah, I want to play for the Jets. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just <laughs> it feels super weird. But like like you said, now you're sitting here, you've got Jordan Love, David Bakhtiari's been super injured. Um you don't know what you have. So and do you a so lot, the, the, a lot of wide receivers without Aaron Rodgers, right? So right. like you feel like the offense has to be the pick here, right? Yeah,
1: so one of two cases and the way we go is like one do you protect Jordan Love or do you give him weapons? Now, um which honestly, if the Packers pick <laughs> Smith and Jigba after trading away Aaron Rodgers, that that's kind of like honestly this is like the Russell Wilson trade and then they go and draft the Seahawks go and draft a left tackle right. that's hilarious and you have the Packers doing exactly that they they draft the Ohio State receiver to give Jordan Love and um, an elite receiver while I know that JSN's off the board for my case because he goes to the Texans they go with Broderick Jones the uh, super athletic um, offensive lineman of Georgia where his athleticism, Allows him to play anywhere. He could be a left tackle. He could be a guard. He could be a right tackle. I think he can play doesn't he could play literally anywhere on that offensive line, couldn't he?
0: Yeah. And so, you know, if Bakhtiari comes back, um, you look at it and you go, Okay, you're gonna play right tackle. Um, if if Bakhtiari is still and and quite frankly, I don't pay attention enough to know what <laughs> like his his situation was injury-wise, and it may be a situation where you know, maybe they are looking at moving on from Bakhtiari now that, you know, it's all kind of coming apart, so to speak. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is Zach Tom didn't play poorly last year, but you would think that kind of similar to what we've talked about with Paris Johnson and the Cardinals or Peter Skaronsky and the Cardinals or anything like that, you're looking at an upgrade um, thought process the other thing is, um, you know, you've you've got questions. Like, John Runyon isn't a bad uh, right guard, but I think he's coming up on his – they're going to have to pay him. Um, you know, and then Elton Jenkins is the other guy, I want to say, yeah, at, at left guard, and they're coming up on having to pay him. So you've got two guys, or they may have just paid him. So they may be feeling that they can't, uh, you know, invest too much in into. into, or that they, yeah, they just paid Elton Jenkins. So it was, he signed a huge deal for your 70 million. Oh, uh, good player though, by the way. So, so maybe they're thinking that they got to get somebody in there in case Runyon needs to move on next year or, or they're moving Tom inside or something like that. Um, and then I look at it and I said, your, your starting wide receivers are Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs and Samurai, Samurai Torre. And I was like, that's oh. not
1: a real name yeah
0: <laughs> samari samari torre and so i was like well you better just take the best wide receiver in the draft and, and yeah. move on from there so our buddy justice mosqueda uh had a couple thoughts he's leaning and so what's interesting is uh one of the guys for me is unavailable uh and so he said he's leaning darnell right lucas van ness and miles murphy um and then he also said if they draft uh, Dalton Kincaid, that he's going to riot. So those are those are two <laughs> things to know on that. So, but I I could see. I mean, I just feel like they got to take a wide receiver to help Jordan Love. Like that was the thing you could get away with with low, you know, low end wide receivers when you have. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you cannot do it anymore if if you're rolling out Jordan Love. Like that's just not fair to Jordan Love, you know. No. So so you look at it, that's where I went. So that takes us to uh number
1: 14 with the Pats.
0: Yeah, the Pats picking high. That's odd. Um I you know, the Pats are one of those teams that you just kind of go, I you know, you never know what they're gonna do. Do they trade back? You know, they don't normally pick this high. So when they do, who are they going to take? I stayed put. You took
1: Bijan. That's where Bijan falls with them, which uh, honestly, probably that's a great addition for a Mac Jones quarterback. It kind of gives them, honestly, if you kind of look at what that offense for Ryan Tannehill has done. B. John Robinson, I think, can have that sort of impact for Mac Jones,
0: right? And I went with uh, Darnell Wright, the uh, small, undersized right tackle, to see what he ends up doing, <laughs> and and I think he would be, you know, I think he would be a great fit and a great kind of guy there. And so now the Jets are. So picking Jets
1: are, 15. They're 15. Um, that was, was an interesting thing for me. Like, which way do you go? You've got your right. quarterback. Um, they've already built that offensive line. Um, they have the running back. Um, and I don't like – you could go receiver, but I don't love the receivers that are right there. And they, they have a defensive coach. They added – Jermaine Johnson last year on on the edge. I have them going on the interior to pair with Quinn and Williams, Kalijah Cansey, um, out of Pitt. You know the the Aaron Donald twin. You can't say he's Aaron Donald, but there's a lot of things that remind you of Aaron Donald.
0: Yeah, that he does similarly. Yeah, and, but
1: and, in pairing and... him with Quinn and Williams, I think <laughs> Robert Sala would
0: love that. Right, and so you went there. I I went with. You know, they're having some issues with uh, the big guy Mekhi in, in, in Mikai Beckton. So I went with uh, Broderick Jones there to try and fix that. Uh, Justin and I were talking about it. Do you think that they would pass, on, and you have them doing it, but you don't have them going O line? Do you think they would pass on Darnell Wright out of kind of. Uh, PTSD with what's going on with Beckton, or do you think because Wright's, you know, 30 ish pounds lighter?
1: You know, uh, that, that would be, I think that would be a, a legit reason why they wouldn't do it. But yeah, yeah. And the reason why I had him passing on Darnell Wright is because I, I, what, I, kind of like what, spoiler a lot, as we get to the Steelers pick at 17, Wright to the Steelers has been matched a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and that's one that makes a lot of sense. I had the Steelers going up. They grabbed Paris Johnson to make sure that they got the guy that they wanted before the Cardinals could take him at 7. So, Commanders at means-
1: 16, we both have the same position. We're saying, quarterback, you're, you have Witherspoon going, finally getting drafted. Uh, you know, a little bit of a slide of what people thought. Um, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. And I have the commanders going with uh, Joey Porter Jr the the very long athletic corner out of Penn State, although there are some questions about his hips and, and, and you know lateral moot type movement uh, I think I think we kind of nailed like what it's just a matter of who's on the board and obviously Witherspoon's on the board so you go you go with him over Porter.
0: Yeah, and and it's just one of those situations where, you know, you look at it and what fits, and I think you you and I both kind of identified similar things there. Uh, You know, go get a corner that can help out a defense, even though it still feels like they need a quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That said, that said, um, yeah, but it's – and and to take a quarter, uh, especially with the the cornerback position, it is one of the positions where the talent is pretty good. I mean, there's obviously you've got your two Witherspoon and Gonzalez that you feel are like the that they're the best bets. But like we talked about on our show on the cornerbacks, there's some pretty good guys you can get late in the first, and the second, and even in the third. There's guys that you. Well, it isn't like that with a lot of other positions.
0: Yeah, and and that's you know what you look at and you see how these things fall, and that's why you know I would be interested, and and you never you know really know this stuff, but I would be interested if they would go with uh in this scenario if they would have gone from either of us, Deontay Banks, you know who's from Maryland, you
1: know that that wouldn't be a bad pick there either. Uh, so it's
0: so it's just interesting to think about, but like you said, corner. I mean, <laughs> it's, it feels like it's going to happen. That takes that takes to the, you Steelers. To the Steelers. Well, me being to the, the Steelers. Lions. I got
1: Darnell Wright. I already talked about that. Um, they need off they they need offensive line help. Getting that for Kenny Pickett and 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 their running back as well. That's that's kind of the necessary thing to do. So that that makes it makes sense. Their Steelers already made their picks, So you've got. You've got the Lions picking at number seventeen. When in, in this case, you've got them making two consecutive picks for at seventeen and eighteen.
0: Right. And you talked about it uh with Kalijah Cancy. That's who I have them going here with. I mean, flip a coin, you can take either one, right? <laughs> you know. And and like you said, in this situation, but I went Kalijah Cansey. Uh, you know, in in Dan Campbell's defense. Pairing him with eight hundredth, and so now you've got an interior threat to go with, you know, a a dynamic uh, edge rusher. It's just one of those situations. And then, and then with their second pick in the first round, which they have two first round picks, whether they traded from seven or not, um, <laughs> is is Michael Mayer. Uh, they traded away. Um, TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, and now they get a guy that's, to me, a better all-around player. Uh, may not have the, uh, you know, may not have the physical upside that Hawk had, but like I like him a little bit better. Uh, so uh, I'm yeah, gonna I want Mayer. the
1: the mayor thing is interesting because Jeff Risden, because there have been a lot of mocks that have either Kincaid or Mayor going to the Lions and Jeff Risden, um, has been pounding the table saying you're not paying attention. The reason why they traded Hawkinson is they don't need someone like that. Now, now Mayor is a little more skilled across the board, but here's here's where I have I have the lines trading out, and it's not because, and it's not because of Mayor. It's because the Vikings they see that there's a quarterback available, and they don't want. They don't want to lose out on a quarterback that could go either to the Bucks or to the Seahawks because of their because of the quarterback situation, and so I have the Vikings moving up from twenty three, even though it's a division trade, they move up to number eighteen, so they can take Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, um, thinking for the future. Kirk Cousins not going to be there forever. Yes, Hooker's coming off an injury, so he's he's in a scenario, he's in a position where that's kind of the perfect scenario where you want him. Um you you've compared Hooker to Geno Smith, which would make him a really nice fit in Seattle, but when you look at what the Bucks and the Seattle and the Seahawks are like quarterback wise, you can see why the Vikings if they're kind of in position would want to do that. So now I have the I have the Lions moving back to 23. So number eighteen goes Hendon Hooker to the Vikings, Michael Mayer to the to the Lions, and we go to pick number nineteen where we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here I get have them going with an edge rusher. Venice went off the board much earlier for you at number twelve. I have the Bucks taking Lucas Venice out of Iowa, um, giving Todd Bowles a guy to rush the passer.
0: Yeah, I like that, and I went with Brian Branch. Um, You know, Bowles does a great job with those those complex safeties that can that can come down into the slaughter, into the box, and be you know a two way guy. And and I think that's what Branch gives them uh, to pair with like Antoine Winfield and that. So
1: then we go to pick number twenty, where we converge on Zay Flowers to the Seattle Seahawks. My my thought was this. Um, Tyler Lockett's getting old. Why not get a guy to replace him, and you pair him with 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 DK Metcalf, and, and that's kind of my thought process there. They need they need receiver help. Like I, I thought, I thought for a second maybe you could, but they bought. I thought for a second maybe going tight end, but then I didn't, uh, and so I go with with a guy that there's lots of guys that are super excited about Zay Flowers. People would not be nearly as excited about Zay Flowers. In other drafts, but he's one of the top receivers of the class. It's just the class isn't as good as say last
0: year's class, right? And and we both go flowers, and then we both double up again with the Chargers. Yep,
1: we we go receiver there. We go. We have them both going. Both of us have them going with Jordan Anderson, uh, Jordan Addison, the guy that had 100 catches out of pit, then transferred to USC. Um, Devonte Smith vibes, given Justin Herbert another um, another weapon, and with that, let's let's and, let's, and
0: a much different weapon, yes. than anybody they have right now.
1: Coming up next on Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We will do the final ten picks of the first round. Remember, there's only thirty one picks because the Dolphins didn't get one. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. They're back on the Rise of sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. And guess what? For the third pick in a row as we go to number 22, Baltimore Ravens, we haven't got to take of the same guy. Cornerback, Deontay Banks, super athletic, super speedy, out of Maryland.
0: Yeah, he just doesn't seem like he's bound to be a Raven, like a guy that is physical, aggressive. Um, one that would really fit with what they need defensively and and continue to be uh you know a physical defense and let's be completely honest it's really hard to nail down what the hell the ravens are going to do <laughs> without them having signed um Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson yet because you're just like I don't know I don't know yeah <laughs> so so easy enough to just write just a Throw throw a, a great defensive back in in the you know in the in their deepest class or the deepest position of the class.
1: We have the twenty-third pick. Um interestingly enough, we kind of have the same thoughts for the both teams. 23 is where the Vikings would have picked uh and and Seth has him stay there because the, the Vikings picked at number 18. They went 17-18. Um, and I have the 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 Lions moved back, and they're at number twenty three. Uh, he had the Lions going with the defensive tackle, um, with one of their picks. And guess what? I have the Vikings taking a defensive tackle. Only it's it's Clemson Brian Bracey, a guy that's compared some like I know Doug Farrar for for Touchdown Wire gave his player comp as Darnell Dockett, and you know uh, it's the same. It's the same kind of thought process. I had them taking Will Anderson. And so let's give him, let's give Dan Campbell a stud in the interior in Brisey. And you have the Vikings going with?
0: Yeah, I have them going with Henan Hooker. The guy Uh, that I had
1: the Vikings taking only trading up to get him.
0: Uh, Right. And so we'll see. You know if that plays out that way, but it's it's something to think about.
1: We move on to number 24 the Jacksonville Jaguars. We go two different directions. I have them going with Nolan Smith who went top 10 for for Seth and Nolan Smith he's he's a tough player to peg right now. I've seen him pr- projected top 10. I've seen him second round but here here's a position here's a guy where you can you can pair him with with Josh Allen. Um, not the quarterback, but the guy they drafted for it in, in the first round, twenty nineteen, who's was who very productive as a rookie, and just uh, he's been pretty productive since then. Um, giving them another super freaky athletic guy to rush the passer.
0: And I went the opposite, not super freaky athletic, and took Osiris Torrance, uh, interior guard for them, um, to. To continue to grow and, and help um, Trevor Lawrence kind of find his his next step,
1: and then we go on to the Giants, number twenty five. Guess what? There we we are picking the same guy. The Giants have had two different starting centers the last two years. They went from Billy Price to John Feliciano. We have them taken the center that we wish the cardinals could get with the 34th pick, John Michael Schmitz out of out of Minnesota. Um that gives the that gives Daniel Jones a kind of a stud right in front of him to give him the give him the ball.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that it seems like a bad secret, so maybe it's just such a bad secret that it's not going to happen, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. But wouldn't be a bad thing if it didn't happen, especially if he ends up being around. Well, and 34? that and that
0: were right—that was our spoiler. That you know we'd love Schmitz to be the pick. So let let's say Schmitz is available at thirty-four. You go Skaronsky. Do you feel like you can double down at that spot and and basically fix your interior offensive line in one draft? I, I mean, mean, hopefully, if, obviously, but
1: if he fell all the way, but it, you know, if, if I'm trying to predict the draft and kind of hit areas I think round two is is a good place to still get a cornerback and maybe uh, if if I have a cornerback you've got right now you've got Forbes still on the board uh, Cam Smith uh Ringo Forbes is going to go in the first round of my mock but you still got some pretty decent cornerbacks that you that you really like Or there's a couple of edge rushers out there that, you know, I've got my kind of my eyes on on Keon Jones, uh, Keon White, I mean, um, as a guy that I think the Cardinals probably really like in terms of his physical uh, specs and and, and his style of play.
0: Yeah, he'll be an interesting one to kind of follow along with as we're not doing a round two. No, Uh, (laughs) that's way too hard. That takes us to the Cowboys and we have the same position, different guys.
1: Yep. Yeah, I've got. The first this is the first tight end coming off the board of Michael Mayer. Compared him to Jason Witten. Jason Witten, who was a stud for the Cowboys. Why not get Jason Witten again? Um yeah. Because you don't know, you know, how, how much longer are they gonna have Dalton Schultz. And so right. and then you've got them That's- going with the other corner, the other tight end.
0: Yeah, the other Dalton, Dalton Kincaid, and we will see how that goes. And and you know, I do worry about that pick in terms of his back, but you know, we'll see what happens.
1: We go and we're oh, we go with the same guy again. The Buffalo Bills they lost Tremaine Edmonds in free agency to the Bears. We have them both taking the very athletic Drew Sanders out of Arkansas linebacker.
0: Yeah, and you know. Justin and I talked about this last night, um, because I had the I had the same pick. And you know, it's one of those things that I think this is what Bills fans want to see. So I think for us, uh, we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because all the kind of areas you just covered, like a, a guy to replace a guy they lost, a guy that potentially could even be an upgrade, uh, you know, one of those situations.
1: We go to the Bengals at number twenty eight. Uh, we do differ again. Uh, I still see the Bengals wanted to fix that offensive line. And while they did add add was Orlando Brown. Um, Tyler Steen, an un- like from your po- from your podcast, an understated solid player that you're going to add to that line and feel good about for years to come out of Alabama.
0: Yeah, I like that pick. That uh, that was a surprising one, but I really liked it uh, because I like the player. I went with a guy that I love. Um, you know, in my mock draft, where they have, where they obviously take uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez at seven with the Raiders pick. Uh, it wouldn't matter if this guy gets to thirty-four, but if this, if they go a different route, if they follow your route, or um, if you go, you know. A different route and don't take Gonzalez you and I went with the Emmanuel Forbes to the Bengals that's a guy I would love to see find a way um, to his find a way to 34 if they don't go corner at at with their first pick
1: number 29 the Saints um, different directions I have them going with Dalton Kincaid giving them a um, you know, a tight end that's not uh, kind of tight end quarterback. <laughs> that gives him a legit pass catcher as a tight end. Hailing back to the days when they had Jimmy Graham. Only he's not hes not Jimmy Graham, but kind of the same type of idea, uh, the type of weapon that he can be.
0: And I went with Brian uh, I, You know, you had him go into the Lions, uh, interior dog. I think that they continue to try to... You know, finagle their way uh, in what's going to happen. I'm not. I just don't know how they're going to get how they're going to get it um, done because it's going to be really interesting what the Saints do with because they're you know picking so late and they they do have so many question marks still.
1: We go to the Eagles with the 30th pick, the second to last pick in the first round. We have the same position. You have them going with Joey Porter Jr., I've got them going with Emmanuel Forge, who just came off the board two picks before you, before uh on your mock.
0: Yeah, and and I have them going with the guy you took earlier at, at 16 to the commanders, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, same thought process. I think I think either of those guys, and I said, you know, Joey Porter Jr., his high end uh his high end there is is a guy like James Bradbury. Uh, where
1: is on the Eagles. yeah, yeah. And so, think about that. Well, and and think the, about the, that the, it out. makes a lot of sense for them to go cornerback there because they're two, they're two stars, and Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury are both, yeah, in their 30s, young. they're not young. And,
0: and that's the thing is like, think about that if they added. Tyree Wilson and Emmanuel Forbes or Nolan Holy Smith and, cow. and Joey Porter jr. Or any combination of those four guys, like just think about <laughs> them reloading. Like you talked about with, with guys getting up there in age and just finding a way to, to continue to, uh, to make it work. And that takes us to the end of the draft. And we somehow we shake um, hands and not, make
1: the same pick again.
0: Right. And, and so let me ask you this, cause we were talking about this uh, a lot last night on our pod because I I made the same pick. Um, What do you think that they're in a spot where Mahomes is so good that they don't need to draft a wide receiver early? Or do you think that the guy we have them picking in Quentin Johnston is – a guy that's an upgrade from like a Juju Smith Schuster, but utilized in the same way, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I I, I thought they lost Juju. Here's a younger version with a higher ceiling.
0: So we go with Quentin Johnston. You know, a guy, a physical, you know, big-bodied wide receiver, kind of be a great
1: know, pick for the Cardinals at thirty-four.
0: Yeah. So so that wraps up but the, the, what's it, the draft yeah, but the it's one thing really about Johnson
1: for me is okay if that's if that's the play does that take d hop off the board for them as as a trade partner for the cardinals
0: yeah i think it would but but you know something you've talked about what if at 34 they traded and especially with what we just saw with rogers what if they traded 34 and hop for like 25 and and maybe a third round pick or a fourth round pick or something like that. Would you be on board with that?
1: Yeah. That because that honestly, that puts like I think that if they were to add it, it wouldn't be ideal because I know they want more picks on day two. But if you get a day three pick pick plus you slide up higher, maybe you can land your center in, in John Michael Schmitz and and then you complete, honestly, you complete the offensive line. In the first round.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this all unfolds. But I got to say, it's been a fun draft, but I'm also like really ready for it to be over. <laughs> yes, finally. We will not have
1: a show later this week. This is where you need to pay attention to Seth's podcast later in the week because. Uh, as I recall, in previous years, they record basically as the draft is unfolding, and then you get their reactions. I, I, no, I can't do that. I, <laughs> I can't. No, do but that.
0: You'll, you but you'll also be at the facility. So yeah, I will be, be doing, at the facility. Doing...
1: You, you can read my stuff in in print form and in internet print form because I will have so many articles written, <laughs> written over the weekend. But no, we can, we will be back next week to then talk about how the draft played out. So that's Seth Cox. This is Jess Root. We just wrapped up the first round, our ninth annual mock draft. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.